Episode 144 of the Read to Lead podcast is brought to you by Cloud Accounting Software FreshBooks, offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to you. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com slash read to lead and enter read to lead in the how did you hear about us section. I found in a heart that's filled with gratitude, there is no room for comparisons and discontentments. It's powerful when we can be grateful for where we're at and finding that contentment. Welcome to the Read to Lead podcast with Jeff Brown. Jeff believes that if you desire to achieve true success in business and in life, then consistent and intentional reading is a must. The Read to Lead podcast will not only help you narrow this ever important reading list, but also bring you key insights and valuable feedback from some of today's most successful and inspiring authors. And now here's Jeff. Hi, and welcome to the podcast I've dedicated to your personal and professional growth. We talk about leadership, of course, but we also dig into personal growth, productivity, career, business, marketing, sales, entrepreneurship, and much more. In just a moment, you and I are going to be joined by Rachel Cruz. She's the author of Love Your Life, Not Theirs, Seven Money Habits for Living the Life You Want. I'll be asking Rachel about the practical steps you can take to help cure yourself of the comparison trap, tips for talking to your spouse about money, how to be more purposeful in your spending, and much, much more. In short, Rachel's going to help us better navigate what is often the difficult-to-talk-about topic of money. Launching your own side hustle or side business is not always easy to do either, but me and my friends at Cloud Accounting Software FreshBooks do believe, and I think you probably do too, that the rewards are so very much worth it. The world we live in has changed dramatically in large part because of the internet. It's helped more and more of us, people like myself, earn a solid income on our own. And to meet that need, FreshBooks is really excited to announce the launch of an all-new version of their cloud accounting software. They've redesigned it from the ground up, and it's been custom-built for exactly the way you and I work. I believe that it's the simplest way to be more productive, organized, and to get paid fast. They've made it not only ridiculously easy to use, but also full of powerful features. Things like creating and sending professional-looking invoices in just a few seconds, literally. Setting up online payments with just a couple of clicks so that you get paid up to four days faster. The ability to see when your clients have seen your invoice and, and put an end to all the guessing games. A lot more, too. Because you listen to this show, they're offering right now a 30-day unrestricted free trial. If you want to claim it, all you have to do is go to freshbooks.com slash read to lead and enter read to lead in the how did you hear about us section. You help support the podcast at the same time. Again, that address is freshbooks.com slash read to lead. Rachel Cruz is a seasoned communicator and Ramsey personality and has been speaking to groups as large as 10,000 for more than a decade. As the daughter of Dave Ramsey, she joined Ramsey Solutions in 2010 and used the knowledge and experiences from growing up in the Ramsey household to educate others on the proper way to handle their money wisely and stay out of debt. Rachel co-authored the number one New York Times best-selling book, Smart Money, Smart Kids, with her dad, and in her latest book, she goes solo. It's called Love Your Life, Not Theirs. Seven Money Habits for Living the Life You Want. Rachel, it's a delight to have you on the show. Thanks for being here. Well, thank you, Jeff. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. 
Well, as a former radio guy, um, and though I know this is not your last name anymore, I appreciate your parents at birth giving you a very strong-sounding radio name. <laughs> Rachel, Rachel Ramsey, then now Rachel Cruz. <laughs> <laughs> it just sounds like a name that belongs on radio or TV. And, and Cruz does too, don't get me wrong, but Rachel Ramsey just kind of rolls off the tongue and it's one it of those, goes. those coveted right. names. You know, Jeff, Jeff Brown is kind of boring, so I had to play with that a little bit. No, that's great. Well, I wanted to begin, uh, Rachel, by asking about a habit not related to money, at least not directly. Of course, we're going to be talking about money habits here in a moment, but I thought it'd be cool to have you talk about some of the changes you made several years ago to uh, your morning routine and how making that change has since then uh, impacted your life. Yes. Well, habits are such a powerful part of our lives. And so as I was writing the book and talking about the money habits, I thought, gosh, well, I have so many habits in life. And so what are the what are the good ones? What are the bad ones? Uh, and so one of them that I realized that I, I created for, for my own sanity really was uh, getting up early in the mornings. And for those of you that have been doing that for years, then you, you understand how sacred that time <laughs> is. I became a new mom uh, a year and a half ago. And so ever since that, I've, I've really... Uh, valued time alone, especially in the mornings. And so I used to just get up, you know, probably even 30 minutes before I was supposed to leave and I'd get ready real quick. I'd grab, you know, breakfast and run out the door and try to beat traffic. It was it was a very panicked, almost rushed morning, most of my mornings. And so now after, you know, having a baby and being a mom and a wife and working and all of that, I just like, you know, I'm going to get up around five o'clock every morning and enjoy a cup of coffee, read a little if I want to, you know, even if I want to turn on the news and see what's happening. I mean, just have some time for myself. And it's amazing uh, how that habit, it was so insignificant, I thought in the moment, but as it's become a part of my routine, um, it's something that I value so much and something that I need every morning. Mm. Well, let's let's uh, talk about that word specifically, the word habit, because most people, when they hear that word, it, it, it sends people going one direction or the other. They hear that and they, they respond to it in a, in a really positive way or on the other side, they hear that and they respond to it in a, in a mostly negative way. Talk about yeah. uh, the, the power sort of innate within that word habit. I know you're a fan of, of Charles Duhigg and his work. Yes, yes. He had an incredible book on this topic. And so, you know, just the idea for me for habit to be able to put things in your life that become your knee-jerk reaction, that it's it's your fallback, it's what you do almost subconsciously, uh, can be very, very powerful. And so how do we take this principle and we apply it to parts of our lives? And so for me, obviously being in the money space, that's where my mind went to. And I thought, you know, I... I'm not perfect with money, but I'm thankful that I was given the knowledge and the tools early on to win with money. So I've been doing wise things with money for many years, even though I'm rather young. Uh, I've been able to, to establish good habits when it comes to money. And so people ask me all the time different questions of, you know, well, how do you do this? How do you do that? And it got to a point where I thought, I don't even think about it anymore. You know, <laughs> steering clear of debt. I'm like, I don't even think about going into debt. And not because I'm holier than thou, but it's just a part of who I am. It's become a habit. And so I thought, gosh, you know, if we can if we can implement good habits in our life, it's powerful. And again, any part of our life is important. Uh, but for this one specifically with your money, I mean, it, it can change the game. Well, Rachel begins uh, the book addressing the comparison trap. Talk, Rachel, about... Uh, the financial dangers that we invite into our lives often when we begin to play the comparison game and, and why it's a game we can't win. Oh, gosh, Jeff, the, the comparison game is miserable. And so many of us end up in that in that game on a daily basis, uh, which can be so disheartening at times. And so, yeah, I just realized, you know, 30 years ago, 
you actually had to see the Joneses to keep mm. up with them. Right. You know, you had to look out your kitchen window and see him pull a new car into the driveway and be like, oh, wow, Mr. Jones got a BMW. You know, you, you <laughs> had to see them where now we, we carry the Jones around with us in our back pockets on our phones and they have, you know, filters on Instagram to make their life look even better. And so... <laughs> I just thought, gosh, this this battle is so real, this battle of comparisons, because we're, we're around it all the time and really thinks of social media. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't blame social media, but I do think it's the vehicle that takes us down the road of comparison. And it really moments that I, I've experienced for sure. And people I talk to, I'm like, you know, we're looking at our phones and we're replacing our memories of a great vacation we were just on with someone else's moments who is on a better vacation at that moment. And I just thought, oh, you know, why am I doing this to myself? Because I do it. And so just realizing, gosh, you know, we end up spending money that we may or may not have to keep up a lifestyle that we think everyone else is living and we're the ones missing out on it. Because if we look up Facebook, that's how it can feel. It's everyone's highlight reel. You know, it's the best part of everyone's life. And we're like, gosh, well, they go on vacation three times a year. They got a new car. They go out to eat all the time. You know, we don't have the money to do those things. You know, oh my gosh, but we should. And you you feel this, this tension. And so it, it can really affect you emotionally, I believe, but also financially, because again, you end up spending money uh, to keep up a lifestyle that isn't there and isn't really true because we don't see the entire picture of social media. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Would you be willing to, to share, Rachel, some of the specific steps you share in the book that we can take to, to cure ourselves of, of the comparisons? Yeah, so there's one theme overall that I really have dove into to, to really help me uh, in this area. And it's one word that I believe embodies so much, uh, but the word is gratitude. Mm learning to be grateful. And I found in a heart that's filled with gratitude, there is no room for comparisons and discontentments. And so it's powerful when we can be grateful for where we're at and finding that contentment. And so my overarching, you know, um, principle when it comes to be able to quit the comparisons is gratitude. But there's definitely other things that we we can look at. I mean, we can look at, you know, that I have one part of the book that talks about that that stuff doesn't equal wealth mm. and wealth doesn't equal stuff. And we have this warped view in our world today that if so-and-so goes on a great vacation, drives a nice car, lives in a great house, that they're, they're probably really wealthy. And the truth <laughs> is they might be. You know, they really could have the cash and they've saved up and they paid for these things. Um, but statistically speaking, that's not the case. And just because people have all this stuff doesn't mean that they own it. Uh, again, statistically speaking, they've, <laughs> they've gone into debt for the car and the vacation and that kind of thing. And so I think keeping our perspective uh, in line is so important when we're having this conversation. And, and so you look at the uh, studies of millionaires, and it's interesting to note that that their habits aren't typically what's portrayed in, in the media. They're often very frugal people, aren't they? Yes. Yeah. There's the book, The Millionaire Next Door. Uh, great book. And it's so fascinating. And Thomas Stanley goes and he studies millionaires. And he found that the average millionaire drives a two-year-old or older car. And they live in a pretty medium-sized house in a very you know normal neighborhood. You would never know. And the, it's the book, The Millionaire Next Door, which I love that phrase because it's true. Um, <laughs> and it's the habits that got them to where they are today uh, is what made them millionaires. And so, yeah, it's it's amazing when, you, when you're around wise people that are wise with their money and that have won, uh, the characteristics of them and what they have is very different than what you would see probably on a reality TV show. Right. Well, I thought it was interesting, Rachel, that you felt the need early in the book to define the word debt. But uh, Mm. the reality is many people don't think of some debt as just that, do they? 
No, it's I've had so many encounters and it's been very interesting doing the work I, I do because I travel and I talk to people. So there's lots of conversations. I hear a lot of stories. And I was speaking at a university and there was a, a student at the beginning uh, as I was getting ready for, for my talk that he came up and he said, hey, are you the are you the girl talking about money? I was like, yes, that's me. And he said, well, he goes, I have I have no debt. I'm debt free. And I thought, oh, my gosh. And I told him I was like, this is amazing. I mean, because to me, a college student who's debt free is like a unicorn. Like they don't <laughs> exist. And so I was like, tell me your story. Like, how, do, how are you going to school debt free? And he looked at me just with all seriousness and a little bit confused. And he was like, no, no, no. I, I have forty thousand dollars in student loans, but I'm debt free. <laughs> And I thought, oh, my gosh. I mean, and I hear that a lot where, you know, well, it's not really dead. It's just a car loan or it's technically not really dead. It's an investment. You know, you hear all these <laughs> phrases and I'm like, no, debt is debt. And so, yeah, early on in the book, uh, in that habit, steering clear of debt, I say that debt is owing anything to anyone for any reason. That is debt. Well, Rachel, what do you say to somebody who says that living in the 21st century without debt is impossible, that you need loans or credit cards to establish good credit? The one kind of debt I'm okay with and I won't yell at people for is a mortgage on a house. Mm. Um, but credit card, consumer debt like credit cards and car loans and all of that, you know, I know that that it's possible to live debt free because I've done it. Mm. I've never had a credit card. And some people hear this and they roll their eyes and like, yeah, because your dad's Dave Ramsey. <laughs> and I'm like, yes. And maybe if I signed up for a credit card, you know, lightning would strike me from above. <laughs> but I still have the option. You know, I have free will. I could go out today and go lease a car or I could mm. go out today and sign up for a credit card, but I choose not to because I see the pain that debt causes people. My friend Chris Hogan says that debt is a thief. It not only steals your income from you, but it steals your peace of mind mm. and it steals your sleep at night. And when I'm around people that, that are in debt and as they're talking about it, they're not excited. It's not like, yes, I have $25,000 <laughs> in credit card debt and I love it. Or, you know, Sally Mae is like my best friend and I'm so <laughs> glad she's, she's around. No, it's, it can be a very painful subject for some people. And some people, you know, it, it's a stress point and it's mm. this idea that you owe someone something. And the freedom that comes from living, getting out of debt and living debt free, which if you're in debt, it is a journey and it is, you know, you, there will be sacrifice to get out of debt. It's, it can be difficult, but it's possible. Mm. Um, but once you experience that freedom, oh my gosh, you know, the, the, again, the stress and the worry that leave you because you don't owe someone something is a pretty powerful thing. And, and, and also Jeff, that people talk about debt and it's a lot of about the numbers and the interest rates and the math behind it. Mm. But really, I think there's so much more emotional uh, weight that is carried that people don't talk about when it comes to debt. And so being able again to, to be debt free and live debt free, it's incredible mm. that the power that you have over your, over your money and your situation. Well, speaking of painful subjects, uh, Rachel, I'm wondering if you can help us better navigate how we can more easily talk to our spouse about money. Yes. Yeah, this can be a difficult conversation. Yeah. One of the habits in the book is is talk about money even when it's hard. Mm. And I say even when it's hard, not if it's hard, because it's All going right. to be hard, right? Many conversations are tough. And so with your spouse though, I I plead with people in the book to to get on the same page and to be unified on the subject. And it can be very difficult because we all know that if you're married, opposites attract. And you know, one of you is freezing to death all the time. 
time, the other's burning up. One of you is a spender, one of you is a saver. One of you wants to do a budget, the other doesn't. And so there is opposites in marriage, which is great and exciting. And that's a part, the fun part of marriage. So learning to, to marry those two together to say, hey, you have to get on the same page. And if you've never talked about money with your spouse, it might be awkward. It might be mm. difficult. It's it's very vulnerable to be like, okay, you know, especially if you have separate checking accounts and it's like, here's my checking account, you know, oh, here's what I spent <laughs> at Target last week. I don't want you to see it, but here it is. <laughs> and so really, I think bringing all of that to the light and saying, hey, here's here we are. We, we want to go from these two separate, you know, basically like a joint venture and make us one and have mm. one checking account, one budget. It's not my money or your money. It's our money. And together we're going to do this because when you can unify on the subject of money in your marriage, you're unifying on more than just money. I mean, you're agreeing on your goals in life, on your dreams, on your fears, because money, there's so much more than just money. What's talked about when you're sitting there doing the budget. Mm. And so it's powerful. And again, it can be difficult. That's why I warn you talk about money, (laughs) even when it's hard, but push through those conversations because when it becomes a habit with your spouse to talk about money, it's not that difficult anymore because you're on the same page. And so this is such a crucial, a crucial habit to get in because, uh, you know, people say that one of the leading causes of divorce in America today is money fights and money problems. And so agreeing on this is so key. I totally agree. My wife and I have our own businesses, our own separate businesses. So those accounts are, are kept separate for obvious sure, reasons. Yes. Yes. Uh, but then, you know, our family account, that's a single account. You know, that's one that we, mm. that we share. Uh, well, obviously saving is important when it comes to saving, Rachel. I'd be curious to get your thoughts on, you know, some of the apps popping up out there. Apps like Digit, for example, that's one that I've kind of played around with and used that examine your, your balance and spending habits and automatically saves money for you in a, in a special account. Yeah, I mean, I'm not against those necessarily. I just don't know if it truly changes the the habit in your life mm. because if it does it automatically, you know, that's fine. I just don't think over over your course of your life, I don't think it's going to change your life. And so I like the idea of you being intentional with it and you saying, I'm going to feel the pain of saving this money ahead of time. <laughs> and in the budget, I'm going to put the number here and we're not going to spend that money. We're going to save it because that's really what changes you and changes your your character. But I'm not against them necessarily, but I'm not like out there, you know, everyone go do this because I really think you doing it and being intentional with it, that's what changes you and that's where it becomes a habit. So, so if something comes up in life that you have to save for, it doesn't feel like this mountain you have to climb. It's a part of who you are. Uh, related to that, uh, when I'm in church on Sunday and the offering plate comes around, I feel like I need to be wearing a T-shirt that says, I already gave online or something. To <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> Hold up a sign and it's like, I swear I give. I promise, yes, I promise. <laughs> I do, I just don't give here. <laughs> yeah, that's right, that's right. And and really, you know, the, the, the things that are automatic and things like, you know, apps and that kind of thing. I mean, I, I think that there is such pros to them because it is convenience uh, in our world that we're on the go. Everything's moving so fast. And so, mm-hmm. If those things in your life implement them, because uh, they can help, and so we have a budgeting app called Every Dollar, mm. and I tell everyone about it because it's so good because it's your budget's on the go, it's on your phone, it's there for you if you need to change it, you can update it, and so definitely um, yield to those apps and that kind of thing. Because I'm not <laughs> against convenience; it can definitely help you in your situation. Yeah, I, I, I sometimes struggle uh, uh, spiritually with that too, uh, to a degree, when my bank automatically drafts it and gives it rather than mm. me physically doing it and. Uh, you know, I just kind of wonder for me what that what that ultimately means. I haven't figured yeah. that out yet, but I, I, I know myself well enough to know, too, at the same time that uh, I can be guilty of not being disciplined enough with that and, and, yes. and, and giving automatically ensures 
that I'm actually doing it on a regular basis. Yes. No, absolutely. I know I have such a, a love-hate relationship with that because I'm in the same boat as you where I'm like, okay, I know it's going to happen. It's automatic. But then, you know, a few years ago, I looked up, I was like, gosh, but I don't feel, I don't feel like I'm giving. Right. And so we went through a season where we stopped the, the auto draft and we wrote checks just because I was like, I want to go through the motions. I want to go through the act because I want to be able to feel it. Because again, mm. those going through those motions, that's what changes you. And giving as well. I mean, gosh, when you're giving and you're giving up something, that that pain and that hurt that you can feel in that moment where it's like, oh my gosh, I could go to the mall and buy new clothes. You know, you feel this, <laughs> but knowing that that money's designated for giving and you're letting go of it, that's, gosh, that's what turns you, I believe, into being selfless and instead mm. of selfish. Uh, but right now, it, our giving is automatic for sure. Yeah. But but there are seasons where I'm like, okay, I want to feel that pain again. I want to feel <laughs> like I, it, I'm saying pain with giving. That's probably a bad word to say, but do you know what I mean? You, feeling that sacrifice, I think, uh, for me, is, is important at times. Exactly. I totally agree. Well, talk about, Rachel, what you mean by uh, spending on purpose. What, what, is, what does that mean? Yes, so many of us we spend on impulse so many times. I mean, it's you know going through the dri- the the Starbucks drive through one too many times. It's you know walking into Target for me. It's like the black hole of goodness. I mean, <laughs> I walk in, I'm like, I could have everything in the store, and so. I've learned just to take the impulse out of my spending and to really focus in, use my brain, uh, take the emotion out of it. And at times that means for me, you know, waiting overnight. If there's something I want and it's a bigger ticket price item, I say, you know, I'll buy it tomorrow if I still want it. And so I'll mm-hmm. go and sleep on it. And so it's just, it's amazing putting this little discipline in place uh, where you're able to take the impulse out and doing a budget as well. Um, I've learned is, is basically permission to spend that's my permission to spend plan. And so doing a budget, that gives me the guardrails of saying, okay, this is what I've set up ahead of time. This is what I know I can spend. Uh, but even within that, uh, I think it's good to, to still you know, use our brains because so many times our emotions take over on our spending. Well, I've bounced around the book a little bit here among the seven habits in, in the 16 chapters. Before I move on, Rachel, to a couple of questions not directly related to the book, is there anything else you want to make sure that we walk away with? I just want people to know, you know, as I know we talked about some, you know, possibly difficult stuff when people hear the word budget they may cringe or getting out of debt seems impossible but i just want to encourage people that no matter where you are financially i mean if you're living paycheck to paycheck or you have you know a million dollars in your 401k i mean no matter where you are we can all do better with our money we can all create healthy money habits that help us live the life we want and that's my my hope for people as they read the book where they feel empowered to say hey i can do this i can make a change in my life where i can take control of my money instead of my money controlling me mm. Tell her where to go instead of wondering where it went. <laughs> exactly right. Yes. Oh. We've talked about a couple of uh, books along the way. I'd be curious to know, Rachel, what are one or two that, that you go back to again and again, those that uh, have impacted you and, 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 and you lean on even today? Gosh, well, I would say um, a lot of the books I read deal with with work. I feel like it's where a lot I go, I go the spiritual route at times, and then sometimes I lean heavily on on the work mm. side. Um, there's a book for public speaking. It's called "Stand Like Lincoln, Speak Like Churchill," oh. and that book was it helped me so much when it just came to public speaking and figuring out you know different ways to go about things. The the not even the presentation part, but just the heart behind it. And so for me, that's a that's a go-to book that I think about a lot. We have a book uh, called The Ideal Team Player here on our team where it talks about being a, on a team and working, you know, to be humble, hungry, and smart. And having those three elements in your working life is so important. And um, I'm thinking off the top of my head, I just finished a book. It hasn't released yet. It releases in January, but I got a pre-copy. It's called 
no more faking fine. Mm. And it's all about living more authentically and how, you know, everyone asks, how are you doing? And you're like, good, fine. Everything's good. <laughs> and, you know, not that you have to like air out your dirty laundry to some stranger, but to really, you know, live in relationship with people where you can, you know, be open and, and even with your relationship with God to say, hey, you know, here's here's grief, here's sadness. And so it was that was a really interesting book to, to read. And I just got done with that yesterday. Well, I've read my share of public speaking books and, and do a, a fair amount of that myself, but I had not read the one you recommended. So I'm definitely going to go out and grab that one right yes, away. Yes, it's very interesting. Yes. Obviously, that's something that you do all the time. And I would I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about your tips for delivering an impactful and memorable public talk. What makes a talk so for you? For me, I have learned that great public speakers are great storytellers. Mm. And I go back to even, you know, biblically, Jesus was a great storyteller. And and I think that stories connect with people. It connects you with your audience, because at times, if you're a public speaker, you know, when you're on stage, you, you not only physically are removed from the audience, but I think people um, emotionally feel removed because you're on the stage and that's you. And so to be able to connect with people, I think, is the biggest thing ever. And stories do that. And I think stories that move emotion, I think funny stories, I mean, anything that um, relates to your point in your own personal life. Um, or someone else even. I mean, even if you read a great story in a book, you know, being able to share stories, I think is key in talks. And I, and also humor. Uh, I read a study, I think it was maybe Zig Ziglar back mm. in the day. I don't know. I saw a stat that it was, if you're public speaking, you want your audience to laugh every five to seven minutes. <laughs> and so it just keeps people on their toes. It keeps them engaged. And so if you can incorporate humor in your own way, and I know I'm not like a stand-up comedian, so sometimes this is <laughs> difficult for me to do, but if there's a way to, to get your audience laughing, people enjoy mm. it. They they relax and they, they connect with you. So, so those are two tips I always tell people. Be a storyteller and use humor. I know it, it loosens me up if at the very beginning I can or near the beginning I can start off with something that elicits a, a hearty laugh. I did that once earlier this year where the laugh was much more boisterous than I ever thought it would be. <laughs> yes, yes. And it really helps loosen me up and relaxes me and gives me confidence to move forward. I totally agree. Yeah, that's how I usually try to open up with a funny story. I put the two together in, in the beginning of my talks because it is. It, it does for me. I, I completely agree. It's like, okay, we're on the same page. We're all friends here. Okay, we can keep going. <laughs> well, I know you're real busy with uh, getting the word out about the book. Is it too early to ask Rachel what's uh, around the corner for you? What's coming up next for you and your team? Oh, gosh. I mean, there's there's always stuff definitely in the works. Um, I, I'm working hard on my YouTube channel. I, I enjoy doing video uh, and that kind of thing. And so we're exploring um, that whole realm. It's it's still a little new to me. So we're looking at that. I mean, obviously, the book launch. I have a actually a wallet uh, that I designed that's coming out this month. Oh. And it's uh, it has the clip system in place. I'm sure you've heard of the envelope system where right. you use cash. And so I, I kind of have given a, a twist to it. And so I call it the clip system. And so there's a wallet with that that helps uh, women be able to, to have your categories that you cash out, keep on budget. Um, and so really excited about that launching. It's just a fun, a fun accessory for you ladies out there uh, to be able to get to help you with your money. Well, I want to say thanks to uh, to Casey Dixon for reaching out to me and suggesting that I, I uh, check out this book. And I'm so glad that I did. And uh, thank you, Rachel, for uh, giving of your time and sharing so freely your experiences. I highly recommend the book, and I think you're awesome at what you do. So thanks. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks for having me on the podcast. I really appreciate it. 
As always, for more on the resources and links that Rachel and I mentioned, as well as more information on her brand new book out this week, just visit the show notes page created especially for this episode. It's readtoleadpodcast.com slash 144 for episode 144. I encourage you to connect with Rachel on Twitter. She's at Rachel Cruz on Twitter. That's at R-A-C-H-E-L-C-R-U-Z-E on Twitter. And don't forget about the free 30-day trial being offered by cloud accounting software, FreshBooks. For more on that, visit freshbooks.com slash read to lead. And finally, remember to share your love of the Read to Lead podcast via social media. You can do that right now on Twitter, for example. Just navigate to readtoleadpodcast.com slash love and watch the magic unfold. (laughs) Well, that's going to do it for this week. I look forward to seeing you next time for the Read to Lead podcast. Thanks so much for listening to the Read to Lead podcast. As a subscriber, we challenge you to be more than just a passive listener. Become a vital member of the community. Visit us on the web at readtoleadpodcast.com. Until next time, remember, leaders read and readers lead. Read.